0: Welcome to the Zone Digital Distractions podcast, with me, producer and host, Beth Lewis. This week, we're going on a detox. Rarely a week goes by without an article or study being published detailing the extent of our obsession with the internet and mobile technology. And this week was no exception. Just yesterday, Ofcom's annual communications market report revealed that UK adults spend an average of 25 hours a week online, with 1 in 10 of us accessing the internet more than 50 times a day. A whopping 41% of the 2050 adults and 500 teenagers surveyed said they spent more time online than they intended. We're going to bed later. We're neglecting chores, friends, family, We're knocking into people in the street because we're too preoccupied catching a squirtle to look where we're going. According to the study, a quarter of us prefer to text someone in the same room as us rather than just speak to them. We're hooked. And, it seems, we're worried about it. A third of people surveyed for the report had undergone a digital detox last year, taking themselves offline for anywhere up to a month, in an effort to better manage our new always-on state. And recently, we at Zone decided to do the same. Due to the nature of our jobs, it was unrealistic to take ourselves completely offline. So we simplified things. 24 hours without your phone. The challenge date was set, posters designed, emails sent out. It was gonna be voluntary and it was gonna be huge. At least that was the plan. Only 15 of 172 people across our UK offices decided to take part. And of those, only eight managed to make it through the full 24 hours without cheating. The main reason given for not taking part?
1: I can be bothered. I just want my phone. Just uh, felt like a bit of effort, unnecessary effort that I was not willing to do. I mean, I do also have the the thing about, you know, I might have a, need of a urgent call from my wife or something to do with the kids but it was mainly couldn't be bothered.
0: Okay so Zone's resident curmudgeon Silky and Ross simply couldn't be bothered which is understandable. Why deny yourself such a useful and necessary device arbitrarily? In our own small survey we found the significant majority of people who decided not to take part mentioned utility time and time again. How would I wake up in the morning? How would I know where I was going or get home at night? Practical problems were reeled off in abundance and none more articulately or comprehensively than from account director Kelly Dunlop.
2: My life is run with my phone. Obviously, there's the usual things like texting and WhatsApp and using Twitter. Um, But actually, my house is controlled by my phone, so... When it comes time to sort of turn the lights on tonight, I would do that with my phone. And so tonight, for example, I'm out at a friend's for dinner. So about 9 o'clock I will turn the lights on for my puppy, who's still in the house by herself. <laughs> my partner's trying to make us live in the future. I'm a little bit slow to do it. But from a handiness point of view, I can also turn the heating up on the bus on the way home, which is less relevant for summer. Um, but likewise, when I leave my friends tonight for dinner, I will get an Uber home, and there's no way I could find my way to her house after work without my phone. So the idea of a digital detox for me, when I think something's not that toxic, I don't know why I'd deprive myself of it. So far, so practical. But then... It does live next to my bed, and it is the thing that I look up. You know, when it's 2am and you're like, oh shit, I'm still not asleep. I do then just go to Twitter, because I may as well distract myself. So there's some unhealthiness with my habits, but just to go fully without it for 24 hours, I wouldn't do it. I'm already trying to deprive myself of cake.
0: Every minute. Even those long past midnight are opportunities to consume information. Admittedly, Kelly might be a little bit more dedicated to her phone than most. Back to her discussing her and her partner's mutual love.
2: Yeah, he's as bad as I am. He's a web developer and he lives on it. Um, I think when it was quite early on in our relationship, I jokingly said to him, I'll probably never love you as much as I love my phone. And he said, that's OK, I think I might feel the same way.
0: Now... You might not be quite as smitten as they are, but from our internal survey, only two out of 13 people felt positively about being without their phone. The others described it in far more negative terms. They said it made them feel detached, anxious, tired, uncomfortable, even panicky. The idea of not being contactable, of being out of the loop, is clearly an uncomfortable, even disastrous place to be. Here's senior writer Helen Burrows. I am the group organiser of
3: pretty much any outing that my friends go on. And if I'm away for a few hours, it's usually all hell breaks loose. So there's a lot of WhatsApp chats right now that if I
4: took 24 hours away from, I'm sure disaster would happen.
3: I would totally go about my
0: phone if I, yeah, wasn't in work, maybe a weekend. She wasn't alone. Everyone questioned said they were sure they could do it. Just not today. That feeling of connectedness, of being part of a tribe, just from a hastily typed sentence or a couple of emojis, if you're so inclined. It's palpable. It makes us feel good instantly and with such little effort. But it's also a cheap currency and one we're liable to abuse. The much-discussed topic of ghosting casually ending relationships by simply never replying to a message or sacking off plans with friends, usually late in the day and usually for no real reason. In an age where we seemingly value our devices so highly for their adroit ability to connect us to potential partners and to our friends, we aren't half good at avoiding them in real life. Here's Silky again.
5: The strange thing is that we've never been more able to connect with each other, and I think there is a real disconnect. It's also too easy for people just to, you know, bin things off, and, uh, I mean, like, tonight, for instance, where we all make the boats, we're going to be meeting, and it was all nailed on, and, you know, 57 years ago, everyone would have just had to turn up, but now it's so easy for them to go, you can't make it, there's little things like that, I think it's just part of a culture now that it's so easy to, like, not do stuff and not make those connections necessarily doing something else. They're probably all just playing football manager instead.
0: Okay. Enough from the naysayers. What about the people who did take part? It was a sticky start for Laura Goss. Owner of perhaps the trickiest job title to pronounce in the entire agency, she is Associate Client Creative Director. Try saying that three times when drunk. Who realised mere moments into her 24-hour phone detox. Oh shit, I was going to get Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> and how did she find the detox overall? Really easy. Yeah, I was anxious beforehand, but actually it was great and I, I'm glad that I did it. I felt completely fine, didn't really miss my phone at all. The, the only times I really missed it were less a sort of functional, oh my God, I need information reasons and more for like, just feeling a bit like, oh, I've got a few seconds sort of where I would nervously perhaps be just looking at my phone just for something to look at. Just to clarify then, she found it. I think it was fine. It was it was absolutely fine. Of course, Laura's experience does sort of depend on your definition of cheating. Because well, I, I did I sort sort of cheat in that I did uh, I did log into Ubreets on someone else's phone, and I used
3: someone else's phone.
0: Yeah, we'd probably class that as cheating. How about senior writer
3: Suki Stroud? She wasn't tempted. The only thing I did this morning, I wrote it in your survey thing. Is just I kind of missed being able to swipe, so I just. Picked up Jenny's phone when she was in the shower and just had a little play with it. I didn't do anything. I didn't unlock it. I just wanted to see what it felt like to swipe.
0: (laughs) I asked how she felt about the experiment as a whole.
3: And what I've realised is that I'm mainly addicted to the internet and I had another hit of the internet anyway. I was just on my laptop at work and when I went home I could use my laptop as well. So I didn't really feel disconnected. I think that's what would worry me the most is like, But I was saying to someone, like, what if something interesting had happened or there was some news, which there always is, news. But I just feel like I have to be the first to know everything and I have to have a way of finding out things if I want to. And that was the main thing I missed.
0: Ah, the old fear of missing out whiz its ugly head again. And not for the last time. Here's James Brown. Wow! Not that one.
5: I did experience FOMO. (laughs) I did. I felt it. Felt it. Not keenly, but it was there. I was feeling like, oh, wonder if some WhatsApp group is having a right laugh without me.
0: And when you send it back up, were they? No, no. Of
5: course they weren't, because I I don't generally tend to get involved in fantastic, hilarious WhatsApp conversations. <laughs> that doesn't happen often enough to me. So no, it's it's in it's one of those things where. Um, You know, the imagined is far more powerful than the real.
0: And complicated emotions didn't end there for our strategy director.
5: Turning it off was a thing. I wasn't expecting to... I had a little bit of emotion as I turned it off. That felt like a moment. It felt like
0: a pet. So, did he feel the same way about his phone once the 24 hours were up?
5: I I wanted it back, but I only wanted the things that i know i need back
0: interesting
5: i don't i actually don't want the things that i enjoyed taking a detox from back so i guess I, I guess i want a different kind of phone really i suppose i should just delete the apps that i don't want to get there are things that i want to be able to go and use i want to be able to pick it up and go and do something mm-hmm. it's when the phone talks to me
0: mm-hmm.
5: that's when it gets annoying
0: Professionally speaking, what was the biggest lesson he learned from the detox?
5: Downtime is powerful, right? Like, the, the, if a brand can be there in those moments of downtime, you know, a, a, the commute period is an extremely powerful period of time in people's days, whether that's in the car driving from Salford into town or whether that's from greenwich to king's cross um that is a that is a space where we all uh, have a bit of time to ourselves uh, even when we're surrounded by other people and for a brand to be part of that space that's the time in our lives that i don't think many brands are thinking about
0: and in those moments the phone feels by far the least obtrusive way for the consumer to be accessed james again
5: i had my laptop open this morning while i ate my yoghurt and breakfast, and and that, and that feels far more. Oh, technology has interrupted my usual morning chat with my wife than just having my phone on me.
0: Overall, I asked if his personal response to the experiment had surprised him.
5: Is this an inexorable step towards total communication with all people constantly, or is this just a temporary blip and we'll go back to being a bit less connected from everyone in the near future?
0: Other people, including brands. I had a chat with Zone's chief executive officer John Davey and chief strategy officer Jonathan Simmons about how we'll be communicating with brands in the future. But first, I asked Jonathan what he thought about all the social anxieties surrounding digital and its representation in the media.
6: I just find this need for media to put it in very black or white extreme terms as ridiculous. It's there. We have we're ne- we can't turn the clock back. So we just have to figure out how to go forward and, and, and I think that generally it will, people will find what's, what's good for them, what's happy for them and I'm not going to judge them based on whether they spend 11 hours a day on a phone or one hour on a phone. I think you have to trust people and eventually it will find its place in our society in the same way that TVs have found their place in our society or junk food has found its place in our society and in some cases, like junk food, there will be people that become addicted or don't know how to manage their own... Uh, usage of it, and that and that will get managed by society.
0: We're a digital agency, so we might be expected to have a brand side view on this. Over to John.
1: I think to to take a a, a live example from uh, some work that we've been um, doing recently. If you look at the the uh, mobile app we've built for Purcell the brand brand's about that is is good. It's about getting kids out to, outside, getting dirty, exploring, enjoying, learning from the natural world. Um, we were able to use mobile and the fact that. Uh, mobile penetration is incredibly um, uh, pretty much universal amongst their target audience as a way of delivering content to parents to help them get outside with their kids and inspire them to do things to do. It it inspired them to get out and and experience the world around them so um, that has both a very differentiated brand message in it uh, and it has uh, an outcome which is put the phone down and get outside and enjoy and explore the real world Um, but it's a mobile phone is actually what allows us to deliver that content to that audience very effectively, very cost-effectively, and in a way that um, fits into the lives of those people.
0: And what about the future?
1: I uh, think there's, there's loads of exciting new technologies out there. Everyone's talking about VR, um, everyone's talking about wearables, all those kind of things. There's, it's a very fast-moving and exciting field. Uh, again, I think, as we talked about with Pokemon, the... Um, the killer app for a lot of those new technologies is, is, is yet to be discovered. The thing that's going to make them go mainstream, some of them will be undoubtedly like Google Glass or, or 3D TV, which were kind of ideas that perhaps uh, that, that came a little bit too soon or the market wasn't necessarily ready for them. Uh, I just think they create lots of exciting opportunities for uh, both for established companies, for disruptive startups, um, for smart, enterprising, entrepreneurial individuals, uh, and for people like us to help uh, navigate our clients' um, journey through this, this this fast, emerging digital world.
0: So won't that make matters even worse for the consumer? A brands just going to be making an exhausting amount of noise in the hope that some of it will stick? Um,
1: uh, for, for me, uh, yeah, the point is that brands have always engaged in incessant and meaningless communications. It just used to be called advertising. So most um, of the stuff that brands put out there in the world is annoying, interruptive, uh, poorly thought through, badly executed, um, and, and at best sort of, you know, uh, you know, just about kind of cuts through and, and, and resonates in the minds of consumers. The fact that there are now more platforms and more channels available to do that is, is kind of irrelevant. It's just, a, it's just, a, factor, it's just a, a fact of life in the digital world that we're in.
0: But at least we could switch channels when the ads were on before. It's much harder to avoid these days. Surely,
1: no. I actually think the opposite's true, which is it's much easier to avoid it. It's much easier to to skip over it, to to skim past it, to to click, you know, to to click over it, to to just. We know banner blindness is a, a thing where you know people literally, literally just don't see the advertising spots on the page. Whereas, you know, when you go to the cinema, there's no alternative other than sitting through the you know, the, the five minutes of ads and trailers before the film starts. I think John's point is absolutely right. You know, you used to have to sit in the cinema
6: and you had to watch whatever someone served up to you and, and you know, especially if you were there with somebody you didn't want to be with, you were looking very straightforward and, and that was your that was what you got to experience. I think that now I can avoid it. So meaningless content will perform worse than it used to. So I don't entirely agree with John, there is a difference. If you put out meaningless ill-thought-through, ill executed content, it will do very badly. Whereas before, you could buy yourself a 30-second slot at News at 10, and you would get some savings from just being on the television for 30
1: seconds. Wow. And, and also, I think there's, there's just a sort of reality check here, isn't it, which was, who do you think paying for the, the amazing technology and the service and the infrastructure that make it possible for you to see your friends on holiday in real time in super slow-mo video as their kids jump into the swimming pool. And that that's a service that's provided to you completely free of charge. To my mind, the fact that you might have to scroll past an ad from an insurance company to get there, that feels like a pretty good trade-off to me.
0: OK, back to the Detox. I asked them both to set aside their professional opinion and ask them, as parents, how they felt about the digital world their children were stepping into. We're going to have to parent
1: them. You're going to have to teach them to grow up in the world that they're going to grow up in. And frankly, I'd much rather they grew up in a world where my big parenting issue was uh, helping restrict them to one hour screen time a day than one where they might die of TB or get sent down a coal mine or any of the other things that were perfectly socially acceptably normal in previous generations we can't uninvent this stuff the genie's out of the bottle now um and pretending that we can isn't helpful to anybody what we've got to do is you know live in the world that we live in now, and um and, and and teach our kids to deal with that as best we can
0: to help us figure this out we caught up with mindfulness teacher and digital expert Tamsin Bishton to find out how we might cultivate better digital hygiene Just to mention before we jump in that I interviewed Tamsin over Skype, so please excuse the sound quality. She began by explaining just what mindfulness was.
4: The heart of mindfulness is being present in the present moment, however it is, and seeing it as it is, and valuing this moment not worrying about stuff that's happened in the past and regrets and if only it could have been like this and I should have done it that way and not projecting into the future all
0: these what-ifs. Samson went on to discuss our often unconscious habit of checking in on our phones, especially in relation to social media platforms and how it might be interrupting our ability to be in the moment.
4: Being in a constant check mode of check, recheck, what's happened now, what's the latest, who's reacting to what, who's responding to what, what, it completely interrupts our ability to be in this moment. And obviously there's so much brilliant stuff about those communications and it's so powerful and the potential to change the world is massive and, you know, have relationships with people on the other side of the planet that you might never have met you know all of that huge and I'm not in any way saying it's not valuable but what we have a brilliant capacity for as human beings is automating processes that we do regularly we're really good at learning how to to do it automatically without thinking and I think that's what's happening with the digital the digital stuff is that it's just getting fed into that part of our
0: brain that is on auto I recorded this interview with Tamsin just days after the results of the EU referendum and whether you agree or disagree with how she felt personally about the result I think it's safe to say that we've all experienced the spiral of negative thinking she went on to talk about. When something terrible happens in the news it seems logical to turn to social platforms hoping to find solace in your curated list of like-minded people. But often we're met instead with an echo chamber. And often it's pessimistic.
4: What was happening was that I was using that digital interaction to reinforce the negative thoughts that, that were around the fact that, you know, the world, the, the sky was falling as far as I was concerned, you know, nothing was ever going to be the same again, and... Um, couldn't trust anybody and you know I mean all sorts of really loud extreme thoughts and um, and what what was happening with my interaction with digital was that I was going yes that that's correct it's telling me that this is all what this is right and I'm right to be feeling so anxious and that I'm right to a bit going into fight, effectively going into fight or flight mode that's what happened and what then what we know from neuroscience uh, what happens when you go into fight or flight is that all of your kind of capacity to be rational to think laterally to um, have empathy to um, form connections to communicate properly that all of that part of your brain shuts down that, that it felt deeply ironic that i got into that frame of mind when what was I found so upsetting about the result was that I felt like all of those things had been lost that you know compassion and rational thought and Empathy and connection were missing from that debate, um, and you know. So my response was to get right into that same mindset myself. And I think that, yeah, I know that you that kind of the use of digital channels weren't helpful. What was helpful was having a real conversation with a friend in
0: the real world. So if you do find yourself in the midst of a similar spiral, it might be prudent to check out for a little while, have some face-to-face time instead. Here are some more tips from Tamsin if you're keen to bring a little more self awareness into your mobile usage.
4: Just asking that question, do I really need it, can be helpful. And then, yes, some sort of more hard and fast kind of behaviours to help with that. Yes, yeah, so I leave my phone at home if I can, I leave it in my bag if I can. I switch data and Wi-Fi off. If I'm at home and we're hanging out as a family, I'll try and put it in another room and encourage the other members of my family to do the same.
0: And if you're a parent and feeling really brave, you could always try this.
4: So what we've tried in our house is, um, is that we, we'll switch the Wi-Fi off when we go to bed.
0: Wow, that's bold. We switch,
4: we that's switch bold. the Wi-Fi off at bedtime. And that has met massive resistance from my daughter in particular, who thinks it's like basically a breach of her human rights. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did it as much for for myself as I did it for her because I was in that habit of checking email last minute at night, and that doesn't it doesn't help because. It's, I'm about to go to bed what can I do you know why does it help me to know that there's an email from Mm. somebody about something that I can't do anything about until I've had a good night's sleep and actually by looking I'm making the likelihood of having a good night's sleep that much less so I'll be less effective at the point that I can do anything about what's in that email so yeah so that kind of um that just switch it all off at bedtime thing is an ongoing experiment in our house and although my daughter fought me and really argued against it when we started doing it, that was probably about five or six months ago, it's not an argument anymore and she wasn't sleeping very well at all and she is sleeping much, much better now. We all are. As a family, we're all sleeping much, much better.
0: If you're interested in finding out more about the principles of mindfulness, Tamsin believes there's no substitute for a real-world class. However, as with everything, there's also an app for it.
4: So I'd say if you were interested in getting going and exploring mindfulness for yourself and maybe sort of establishing some healthier um, patterns you know apps aren't the way but once you've done that maintaining kind of regular practice and doing a little bit of meditation here and there or listening to talks or um, from other practitioners and kind of staying connected to those things and the practice then apps are brilliant for that and there is one that the only one that i've used personally is called insight timer What's lovely about that is that you can set a timer to do a meditation practice for as long or short as you should. like. It can be guided, so somebody's sort of talking you through the meditation practice, or you can just do it in silence. And it shows you who else in the world is using the timer at the same point. So, you know, you could do a 10 minute practice and at the end it will say there were, uh, you know, 2000 other people around the world who were doing practice at the same time and it showed you where they are on the map. Wow. So I would recommend that one. But uh, I, I guess I would say try it in the real world first. And once once you sort of have uh, understood what's going to be helpful to you, then explore for yourself in terms of the, the digital stuff.
0: If you'd like to find out more about Tamsin or growmindfulness.org do have a look at their website or follow her on Twitter at Tamsin Bishton. So I think it's about time for our pithy digitally savvy conclusion and here it is. Balance. Unglamorous, non-headline grabbing balance. What that looks like for you will undoubtedly be different from what it looks like for me. But what's clear is that we're still trying to figure out how to manage our new superpower of connectivity. A world of fast speed broadband, of rapidly evolving technology, of being just a tiny gesture away from an entire world of knowledge and opinion and how that relates to the real world and the real people right in front of us. If you feel you need to take a break, as an estimated 15 million of us in the UK do, then do so. I for one couldn't quite believe how quiet and calm the world around me was once I'd unplugged. But if you do switch off for a bit, take a little advice from our financial controller, Nick, and for goodness sake, tell your dad beforehand.
5: I have missed quite a lot of calls, I think, and my dad is worried he's ringing my wife. I should have told him about this. Um, yeah, I'm really happy that it's ending.
0: I hope you enjoyed the Zone Digital Distractions podcast. If you did, don't forget to subscribe and share. Until next time.